0: How y'all feeling out there in podcast land? How we doing? Welcome to Profane Faith. This is your host, Dan White Hodge. We're running a series right now on the fallout of Roe v. Wade and uh, what that means to different people, what that means to uh, society and how that engages uh, different components of society. Uh, privacy laws, um, how, uh, you know, we understand, um, you know, the right to privacy, you know, what can be used in court, what can be engaged with, where we're kind of at as a society in general, and what's the history behind all of this. Um, I would encourage you, if this is your first time listening to Profane Face, thank you for joining us. Um, I would absolutely say you should go back and listen to uh, previous episodes, kind of get an understanding of what the podcast is. Uh, But if you're just here to check out the person, you thought, oh, I really want to hear what this person has to say. I welcome you with open arms. Uh, but uh, we are running a series. This is the second part in the series. Uh, another one was published on Monday. Today, Thursday is another one. And uh, these are just different perspectives on, on that. And uh, on Monday, I gave a response as to why I wasn't necessarily engaging with a, uh, a pro-life perspective on this. Because I know there's going to be some questions around that. It's like, why didn't you have this? Go check out my response. Uh, it's just a previous episode. If you're listening to this on any of the platforms, just the previous episode, you can go check that out there. Um, this next guest of mine, I am so excited to, uh, to bring on. I've had Leo on before, um, just talking about what they do. They have a great podcast as well. If you go to the show notes, all those links will be there. Um, all those components will be there. So go and check those out. Um and their what they do and what they they got going on. Uh, I wanted to um, to bring Leo on because Leo engages with components of gender and components of not being non-binary all those things um, and I was like I gotta I gotta bring them on plus they have some really great uh, Instagram posts in regards to just sexuality human sexuality the right to choose um, you know what we do with our bodies and whatnot so enjoy this episode and uh, what it means uh, again for the fallout of Roe v Wade check out this conversation I had with Leo. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, well, Leo's great to have you back on the uh, podcast. And uh, with unfortunate situations, with uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned, um, what were your what were your thoughts on that? What were your reflections on that? Uh, how did you uh, process it? Have you been processed? I mean, I know that thing was leaked. Although once Trump got three, I was like, this motherfucker got three. SCOTUS in there, Supreme Court justices yeah. in there. Once those happen, I was like, oh, this Roe v. Wade is, it's, we're, we're in, we're in deep shit.
1: It's toast. I, so we knew the overturn of Roe v. Wade, like it was leaked. We knew it was coming. I, I mean, I'm not a political scholar, like a poli sci scholar. Um, but i i do wonder the intentions of why it was leaked and i almost feel like it was it was leaked intentionally by conservative folks so that it could not be changed as we went forward um and so there was just this impending sense of doom yeah since the leak happened and for me as a queer person and you know and a queer person of faith because that's like the the world i come from um my first worry was who is in the negative space of this ruling? right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because once, when, when you un- understand marginalization in any facet, you understand that your marginalization binds you together with other marginalized people. And all of a sudden you start looking out and you're saying, who is under the boot? of this policy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Alito said as much in his leaked opinion that there were other things they were looking to overturn as well. And then Clarence, Justice Clarence went ahead and and just clarified that for us. Right. Right. And said there are other there are other um, things that we were historically did in the United States that we need to revisit, you know. And so immediately when Roe v. Wade was on un- overturned, that was where my mind went. Was was it's this and and what is what is the negative space of this ruling and how does it affect people because it's it's um, women, it is people with uteruses, it's birthing people. Um, it's minors, it's people who can't access, who don't have the money to access um, services that are illegal, even though, you know, they, they exist. Right. And then it's also queer people. It's also black. I mean, black women are just statistically the most vulnerable that, and I guess, That's not even a fair statement because Native American women are really the most vulnerable, but they're so vulnerable, we don't even have stats on them. And since you've seen the Roe v. Wade overturn, you've seen um, Christian nationalism in forms of upholding, forcing people to, to engage in Christian prayers at school. You've also seen one and then another one on the way, major rulings that affect Native American sovereignty. Um, the Indian Child Welfare Act is up for grabs. Um, that's going to be affected. Native American sovereignty is affected because we've just ruled that United States law enforcement can enact you know, um, jurisdiction on... Native American reservations, like it's all of these things. And, and I think that's, what's been so incredibly overwhelming. And that's why I needed to come yell at you for a minute here today. <laughs> yes. But yes. It's not just one thing. And I mean, maybe I'm catastrophizing my therapist as I do that, but it's, it's overturning Roe v. Wade was a watershed in a negative direction, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. No, I, I I with you. I, I, my therapist has said I, I catastrophize as well, so I, I'm I'm with you on that, Leo. I I am I am with you. I am I've been a glass half empty kind of guy for a long time. So, but yeah. I do believe it's a, it was a watershed moment, um, simply because the law had been enacted, um, and we all knew yeah. that you know all these you know when the judges were going through like their confirmation hearings, I was like these cats are all lying. You can't trust none of the stuff that that you know these cats are saying. Um and I don't even believe like Trump gives a shit other than he gives a shit that he gets reelected and gets money and power. So he'll yeah. do whatever, right? You know the gatekeepers are saying which is hey, yeah. get these judges in there. Um and I'm like, "Wow, man, so this stuff has been law for this long and now all of a sudden and then within hours, right? You start seeing states basically saying, oh, we're done, we're out with well, this is it and stuff. So I struggle because, well, a couple of different things, right? Because when you think about it, it's like, okay, there's a sense of, especially going after contraception, gay rights, mm-hmm. gay marriage, same sex marriage. I mean, all mm-hmm. those things, right? That's because that seems like that's going to be next. I think they get back in session in October. That's going to be mm-hmm. the next big legislation. I mean, and we haven't even gotten to the EPA, right? And that that decision, right? And that you know the fact right. that that our environment is 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 so fucked, and will continue to be fucked, and yeah. the 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 impotence or, or lack of, of 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 engagement just by Biden. I feel like Biden is like on the sideline trying to be one of us, being like, "Hey, nothing I can do is nothing I can do." I'm like, "Bruh, you the goddamn." <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you are the goddamn president of the United States. I mean, yeah. Reagan got fucking crack in black communities and then blamed it on Nicaragua. Yeah. And, and 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 I'm like, dude, like, do something. You trying to, like, act like you one of us. You not one of us. <laughs> so,
1: exactly. He's like, well, if only I had
0: the power right. to do something. Right. So... <laughs> Well, let me ask you this, let me ask you this on, yeah. on that, because there's so many levels of frustration that I have with this, but one of the yeah. things I get, uh, it was interesting just seeing some of my uh, my former, right, students that mm-hmm. were, back when I taught theology, when they allowed me to mm-hmm. teach anything around theology, I had some of my you know former students, you know, of course posting stuff, they're all pro-life and uh-huh. this and this and that. And one of the arguments was that, well, you know, cause they, they somebody posted something. And I try to pull it up because I wanted to go point by point on that, but unfortunately I couldn't find it, and I, I don't know my Instagram's been acting up. But anyways, I'll try to 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 uh, bring it up as best I can, or uh, rephrase it the best I can. But one of the yeah. arguments was just like you know, if you basically are pro uh, pro choice. That's the same as you saying I'm 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 for slavers to enslave people, uh as you know so as long as they have a choice and I don't know for me it felt like that was a straw hat argument, but what how did, how have you engaged some of the arguments for particularly with and I don't know how many folks you would come in contact with and uh, uh uh you know in regards to that but I'd be I'd be curious to hear your response. To something because I've heard that before, where it's just like, well, slavery was bad, and we had to overdo undo that. You know, you couldn't just say you were just pro-choice as you know, as a as a, a as a slaver and stuff. You know, we have to undo this and unborn fetuses. You know, they're people too. Yeah. So yeah,
1: that that's the thing that I I I keep seeing this like conflation between slavery and women. You know, women's are birthing people's bodies, right? Um, and I think that the conflation is slightly egregious because slaves were, were were born people, <laughs> like were born people, fully, you know, developed people, right? And fetuses are, are fetuses. And so I think the conflation of the two is really disheartening to me because it's almost like, it's almost like, no, ride with me here. It's almost like, We never actually believed that women were valid and they were just vehicles for the fetuses anyways, right? Now, I know that's hard to believe because we're so pro-women in American (laughs) society.
2: (laughs) Right. It's almost
1: like the, the unborn are the most convenient group to advocate for because you don't yet know if they're going to be a sex worker or cure cancer. And so once they come once they come out the womb, yeah. then we'll pick our grievances with them. But we just want them all born, which I think is so it. It's actually, it's just so intellectually dishonest when you say you're pro-life, but then you actively vote against things like universal health care, you know, gerrymandering. Like, I know there's some big things up in the Supreme Court that would basically, oh, it would kick the power back to states for redistricting and stuff like that. And once again, I'm not a constitutional scholar or anything like that. This is just what I've been gathering from my own readings, right? Mm -hmm. Um. But it's, it's almost like you're, you're pro fetus, but once they're out of the womb, you're screaming at them, get a job don't use state-funded health care, um, you know, if you have a, an underlying medical condition, you're fucked, like all these things, and so I think it's a disingenuous um, and intellectually dishonest position to equate basically slavery and abortion, because slaves were, fo- enslaved people, my apologies, enslaved people, because they are people first that happen to be enslaved, yeah, 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 um, but they were fully developed people with cultures and family systems and traditions. And so, of course, we can advocate for them in retrospect because we don't have to listen to their voices, right? Because enslaved people are a thing of the past in America. Those are a whole different thing than black people that exist today in American conscience. I say this with loads of sarcasm for people who can't see me moving my hands and see my facial expression. <laughs> But I just feel like it's such a disingenuous and intellectually and morally bankrupt conversation that I haven't even touched on theologically. But the thing is, is that birthing people, women, people with uteruses, there are multiple words that categorize people who are affected by this ruling. But that is a... it is a different issue than slavery because we still have ways that slavery is codified into law. And so we just did a little bait and switch with the pipe, the school to prison pipeline. You know what I mean? But we didn't actually, we didn't actually end slavery, but it's con- convenient to say, Oh, well, we went back on slavery so we can go back on this. Listen, fetuses are not enslaved people. That's not the same thing. They're not, they're not fully developed people. And uh, when I look, when I look scientifically and theologically at it, there's so many things that point to, um, that point to that fact. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just wild to me. And like I said, there's so many layers of arguments. There's political, there's social, there's scientific, and there's certainly theological arguments to be made. So
0: yeah, no. Well, speaking of that, I mean, I think that's that's what's interesting with folks. I feel like who really haven't read. Some of these 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 scriptures within right these this this text that we call the Bible, um, when you have you know uh, you know this God that you know they so you say oh, well God is love and God is 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 pro life and I'm just like eh, really because yeah. God was God was taking out a bunch of people uh, and was right. willing to kill his son, okay. Mm-hmm um mm-hmm. you know like and and even when his son was born like there was a whole bunch of babies killed uh mm-hmm. at that time and we just accept that shit. so i don't yep. know i mean some what are what are some of the theological engagements around that um especially when folks again will say oh well god is you know god is clear about you know what what god says in the bible of when life starts and i'm just like yeah that may be the case but God, God will kill motherfuckers in a minute, like the animals, the bugs and everything in that place. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it's really funny when people say the Bible or God is clear about anything, because it really indicates me that they have not read it.
2: Right, right, (laughs) right
1: the Bible isn't even one central text, let alone presenting a central viewpoint, like there's no original Bible that we refer back to. I may have been slightly drunk and slightly high yesterday, you can edit this out if you need to. Um, But I was slightly drunk and slightly high in talking about the composition of the Bible because this is what (laughs) this is who I am as a person. But there's not even one central text, let alone one central viewpoint that people are trying to present this from. And it's really just American Christian now nationalism, hubris that tries to put forth that idea. Mm. So fundamentally, I have trouble engaging with people in a theological context because we're not on even, we're not even on equal footing when we start this, this standpoint, but to, to have this conversation, you have to admit that the God of the Bible was wildly irrational at times. And when we get away with this, well, oh, I just listened to what Jesus said, or Old Testament God is different than New Testament God. It's once again a bad faith argument. Right. Right. Yeah. So we need to come, we can't come to the Bible with this understanding of quote unquote biblical inerrancy because that's not a it's not a conversation that we're having. What we need to do is really take the text seriously. And a lot of people want to point to the Old Testament, a lot of Christians, let me be specific, a lot of Christians wanna point to the Old Testament and use that as some sort of ontological proof that God is pro-life. But the problem is, is that Christians don't have a grasp on the Old Testament. Christians grabbed someone else's scriptures Bastardized it, bastardized it, reformulated the the trajectory of those scriptures, and then use it for their claims. So if we're going to have a Christian argument, the Christian argument's got to come from the New Testament. If we're having an argument that involves the Old Testament, we need to look to to Judaism and see what they say about their scriptures. Where before it was uh, you know bastardized and Americanized. And if you if you talk to anyone seriously, any rabbi seriously, you're going to hear at the very least a mixed opinion. But I've heard quite a few rabbis point out that, um, like legally speaking from the the legal code of the, of the Hebrew Bible, if a woman's life was in danger, right. Then it was a moral mandate that an abortion be performed. Because the life of the woman outweighed the, you know, the unborn being in her body, and so I think theologically, if you're going to have any argument that involves the the Hebrew scriptures, you need to silence your Christian voice, and you need to listen to the voice of rabbis and scholars from that perspective. And then if you look at, you know, if you look at the way that the Christian Bible is constructed in the actual culture of the time, and you take off your patriarchal American lens, you see that there was a great value placed on women. In the time after Jesus and before Christianity, which is also a fantastic book I've been reading, um, that's given me a lot of a lot better perspective on that time period because there was a whole period where Christianity was never a thing because Jesus wasn't a Christian and yeah, right. women were highly revered in that society. Right? What book
0: was that? What was the title
1: again? Uh, it was. It's called "After Jesus and Before Christianity." Okay. And it's actually a collection of essays from this, and I'm blanking on the name of the seminar, but was a seminar done where all sorts of scholars studied the period of time after Jesus's crucifixion, before Christianity was really codified into a religion. Uh, it's been fantastically good. I listened to a podcast with the authors and I was immediately drawn into the book. Um, I read it in one flight. Uh, It was so good. Uh, I was literally on the beach in Jamaica, like talking about this book. Clearly, I have a problem with relaxing and bringing my brain out of that (laughs) that mindset. But it really goes to show the value of it in this book. It's actually amazing. It talks about the value of uh, women. in that time period the amount of leadership that women had it also talks about um chosen family as biblical family model which is literally how the queer community functions Mm. um and it takes it takes us to task on a lot of these things that we presume Um, in American Christianity. And I think if you really get back to the root of things and you look at the value that was placed on women and you look at the social mores that came from Judaism, you would have a whole different argument than you have if you look at uh, patriarchal American Christianity.
0: I love that. This is good. I'm gonna have to check this text out. I just uh, found it on Amazon. And for those of you listening, I will definitely link this in the show notes. Um, Because I'm I'm I I am always fascinated by the amount of stuff that we find historically in regards Mm -hmm. to religious, mystical, supernatural belief. Right. Um, And in, in, you know, this was years ago that I, you know, I came to the initial conclusion that what we have in front of us as this sacred text is not the complete story. This is, Correct. there's been a lot of editing to this. And there's been a lot of, mm-hmm. when, even when I think about all the way back to the councils of Nicaea, there was a mm-hmm. an agenda in terms of how these things were edited, how, what books were included, which ones weren't. Um, yep. And I don't believe quote unquote, this was by the hand of God, right? It's right. like, no, this was, this was by, humans to create a particular set of ideological constructs. But now, you know what I'm saying? Rao, we've theodicized all of this shit and, 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 and really welded these things together with nationalism, Mm -hmm. uh, with a sense of faith and afterlife to the point now that, you know, it is, I don't know. I mean, it's, it'd be interesting to see where we're headed here in, the next 15 years in regards to religion, politics, because there seems to be a lot of shit mixed up yeah. in that. Well-
1: I just did a research paper. Once again, I was drunk and high and talking about this yesterday. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it. I said, I said it would have sounded like a conspiracy theory that just came from the weed, except for I promised. I this is my my caveat was I promised I just wrote a research paper on this. <laughs> if Come you on. Look back towards the 1940s, 1950s, like mid-century Americana. If you look back at that time period, you have a shit ton of shit going on, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to summarize my research paper real quick here. Right, uh, in in 19. Uh, 46 is the word, the first time the word homosexual is included in the Bible. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you look at things that are happening socially at that time also, you see that Alfred Kinsey released the first widespread studies on human sexuality ever. And they talked about the innateness of homosexuality in Uh, across all sections of humanity. Now, slight caveat, those Kinsey reports have needed a lot of revision and updating due to modern understanding of gender. But when Kinsey released them with the best intention, it was groundbreaking and it changed the social conversation. And from that point, you have two very different responses from the church. One is this virulent anti-sex, anti-homosexuality fundamentalism And then one is this sort of progressive understanding of Christianity that evolved along with the understanding of human sexuality. And unfortunately in America, we see that virulent anti-sex sort of strain the most, we see it the loudest, but that's not because it's omnipresent. It's just because they've got got the microphone and straight white male able-bodied hubris. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then around that same period of time, that mid-century America, you see a dangerous thing happening, which was that virulent strain Christianity, that is basically Christian nationalism, that began to be fused with patriotism and with the American right and the moral majority. Mm -hmm. And so I really think we can't understate the importance of those theological, sociological, and political developments around mid-century America from like the 1940s to 70s, because you see the emergence of a moral right, a moral majority that is the right, that feels that they have been, been imbued with with the, the divine decree to save America. Right. And I think it's important that we understand that foundation sociologically and theologically, along with the understanding of after Jesus, before Christianity, along with the understanding of Judaism and how they viewed this, because when you put all those together, you can see just how drastically off track we've come. Right. And so this is why it's sometimes hard to have a, a conversation about pro-life versus pro-choice because in so many ways, I'm not even speaking the same language as the people that are coming at my throat, you know?
0: Right. Woo. This is, uh, this is good. And I will also point people to uh, a documentary that frontline did. So it's free. You can find it online and I'll, I'll try to link it called God in America. Uh, it was a six part series, Back in the day, I got the DVDs, so I got the DVDs. Okay,
2: all right,
0: all uh, right. And they talk about this and they make that connection. And so essentially they go all the way back to like the 1600s. They get into slavery. <clears throat> There's a whole section on that or enslavement. Uh, they talk about and they connect those dots very well. Uh, you you brought it together even better in terms of understanding what that meant and when you think about focus on the family think about the reagan movement you think about where mm-hmm. we've come just since the 80s with god in mm-hmm. america and the fact that most presidents prior to what <sighs> carter and whatnot they were they weren't necessarily talking about god and this and god bless america nope. i mean this shit just is relatively new But like Cornell West says, right, we're in the United States of amnesia. We forget. And because our media cycle washes everything, like we already forgot about Uvalde. We've damn sure forgotten about Buffalo. You know, we're going to forget about Highland Park. For those of you listening to this in real time, shooting just happened here in my area. Uh, Not in Chicago. I just want to say that. Correct that. Because at first people were saying there's a Chicago shooting. It's like, hey, 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 hey. Hey. (laughs) That's (laughs) Highland Park, man. This is the north of us, man. I ain't even in the city, bro. Um, yeah. and you know, the, again, these historical things that that get overlooked. Let me ask you this, man, because I, you know, I know time is is of of essence. But what, where do you see us headed, man? And 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 maybe that's a loaded question, but I'm I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, you yeah. got Clarence Thomas. You got certain senators also talking about overturning Brown. Uh, yep. you know, versus Board of Education. I mean, that all these precedence right that we've we thought we had set but mm-hmm. as you know we've had so much of our our our, our basic right to life in, in general right be eroded yeah. although i don't yeah. see clarence thomas undoing what's the one uh for interracial yeah, marriage
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah oh. That's yeah.
1: it. I, I was I was just going to say I'm remiss to not bring this up because of all of the rights that Clarence Thomas is worried about. He doesn't seem to be concerned with the fact that within my grandmother's lifetime, within my mother's lifetime, it was illegal for Clarence Thomas to be married to Jenny Gin, Thomas. Yep. But that, that doesn't seem to be a right that we're questioning. You know, like, right. well, that one's off the table. This is a wildly um, hypocritical. And I try to be careful of my commentary about race when I, as as someone who is perceived as as a white male, even though that is not what I am. For those of you who don't know, um, I'm a non-binary person who was assigned female at birth, uh, in case you can't see me just explaining that background. But so I try to be critical when I'm speaking to a person who is black in America, because being black in America is an experience I can't understand, but this motherfucker is hypocritical oh, as hell.
2: This, <laughs> and yeah, so I, yeah. I
1: feel like it's really, it's really troublesome because we're kind of back at that same point as we were in mid-century America where we saw these sort of really drastically different strains of American Christianity develop. Um, we're kind of at another point like that, except it's either we're going to stay where we are or progress instead of stay where we are or go forward. And on my optimistic days... I think we have a motivated, and this is, this is the funny part. We have a motivated social majority. Like the majority of society is pro-choice, like there is a step after stat after stat that shows that the majority of America is pro-choice, right? There's stat after stat after stat that, that, that solidifies the idea that states' rights was literally only ever always about the right to enslave Black people. That's where states' rights came from. There's so many stats that point to the blatant racism of this all, but somehow, it's become this spin game where this is about life, right? This is about life because that's a, that's a convenient point to take when you don't have to advocate for anything other than just getting them out of the uterus. Right. So I don't know on my optimistic days, we can go forward because there is a, there is a social majority right now um, that is, that is probably more activated than I have seen in my lifetime. Right. Mm -hmm. I think seeing an amount of, especially young people that we did similar to in like the sixties, like that sort of counterculture movement that we talk about, like with the hippie movement, I think we have a really motivated section of the population, especially younger people who need to register to vote and, and show up because if people my age registered to vote and actually fucking voted in every election, we would swear weep them but we don't show up so there's part of me that's like let's motivate voters let's get out there and register let's get in the fucking streets because we are the majority right and then there's part of me that's like well we're fucking doing this again you know and it's like (laughs) this is the angel (laughs) and the devil
2: yes i I don't know
1: which one is gonna win out um and on my optimistic days i am fully dedicated to being a community the organizer and to establishing events in my direct area and to using my voice and to lifting it up and to trying to show people, Hey, this is just what I've learned, we've got to do better. Cause I, I have these natural skills when I speak, people want to listen. Yeah, And so on my good days, I feel very empowered to use that. And then on my bad days, I'm like, fuck it. Just turn the microphone off, shut the lights down. And like I had a conversation with my wife who is not white. who She's Puerto Rican. Um, and all of our kids are varying degrees of, of color, right? And I said to my wife over dinner the other night, I think we – if we're being intellectually honest we need to have a conversation about where we would move should we need to vacate the united states oh and, yeah and i have i have these two very different voices in my brain mm-hmm. and i really don't know which way to go because i would love part of me would love to see the church be what it actually could be like what it was in those after christianity before jesus uh, or after jesus before christianity days Um, And part of me would love to see that because I'm hardwired to be an optimist and like a person who believes that that change is possible because I think that's the good news of the gospel. Um, And I was hardwired to believe in the good news of the gospel, but I've been beaten over the head with that same gospel and that same gospel that is being used to put the nail in the coffin on uh, self-actualization for marginalized people in America.
0: Whew. That's good. That's real good, man. That uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. That's the truth right there. Cause I I do think about that and, you know, in terms of both sides and, you know, I think about, you know, this generation, you know, coming up and uh, I I still get emails from Barna uh, and it's funny just to kind of, you know, see some of the, you know, the research around young people and about Mm -hmm. in terms of the idea that evangelicals want to quote unquote, you know, evangelize this next generation. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I'm seeing though, particularly with like my daughter's, you know, age, uh, age group uh, is a strong sense of like, I don't know about this religious stuff, man. And we're really not even sure about, uh, you know, what, what lies beyond, but it's like, Mm -hmm. this is definitely not the way this, the way we're cutting rights Mm -hmm. and, and, and pushing back. And so there's a sense of like, I don't know about this religious stuff. And for me, I'm just like, look, I would take my politics and society religion free, like completely religion mm-hmm. free and and secular. I'd be OK if an atheist was was president. Um, mm-hmm. But here we are in this day and age and where we're at. And so I always say, you know, everything that can be fixed has a solution. And people have written about it for years. We've just failed to enact it um yeah people have been writing yeah. about this researching about this talking about this shit for the last hundred years easily especially since uh the end of enslavement uh people have yeah. been talking about this stuff and it's just you know the, the country has refused to engage with it um yeah and, you know,
1: i mean there's there is there is stacks upon stacks upon stacks of theological writing from marginalized perspectives like oh my god to give you to give you a summation of this and i know we started out talking about the united states but for me with our particular country there is an intertwining of theology and political process and Mm -hmm. social development because of motherfuckers who tried to link them together i would i would much rather we either need to do—we need to do one of two things in America. It's either all religions are pre- present and have equal voice, or no religions are present and have no voice. We cannot pretend that we're religiously free while continuing to—you might have to edit this out—but suck the dick of American Christianity. I like that's—that's that's where we're at. We're at the ground, worshiping on—you uh, know—worshipping on our knees at the feet of Christian nationalism. Yes. And so, if we're going to be intellectually honest, it's all and equal or none right? But I mean, in terms of church, the thing is, is I think it's the Pew Research Center that, um, I think it's church attendance is at an all-time low. I want to quote the exact statistic, but I can't. It's Something like 70% of, of young people are leaving churches. And because I think I think it's because it's disingenuous yeah. um, and, and what you have is the church of the sexy coffee bar, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the evangelical McDonald's church that buys a building from another business and puts a big aquarium in and does firework displays, but then preaches hate. Or you have the mainline churches who have actually got some sort of a theological grounding, but they're quiet and contemplative and people aren't as drawn to that. Um. But people aren't attending church. And I think at this point, it's because it's just, it's disingenuous. So maybe if we had churches that were honest, intellectually honest, we could at least have meaningful conversation. But we don't even have that meaningful conversation right now because Christian nationalism has its head buried in the sand saying, no, nope, we're not listening to history. We're not listening to other churches. We just believe in worship and the word. And there's a church around here that says they're a church based on worship in the word. If you do the digging, you can't find where their pastor learned the word from because he was a cop for. First. He was a cop first and is still a cop and has no theological training. And he runs the biggest church in my area. And we have this, this is the, this is the personification of the American church. Right. Right. And I don't blame people for leaving, man. The only reason I'm sticking around is because I feel like I've been blessed with a particularly thick skin and wit.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and so I feel like I've uniquely positioned to, to, take shots from the church and just let them bounce off and then keep speaking up you know what i mean but so many people are not wired to do that and should not have to do that and so where does that leave us man i i mean i i would have left the church a long time ago if i just had one freaking iota of an inkling that 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 was what i was allowed to do and supposed to do but we've got to do better the church either needs to evolve or die and and in some cases, with Christian nationalism, it might need to be killed. You know, yeah. um, I'm really tired of people tone policing marginalized people when it comes to liberation theology, sense and liberation-like theory in, ter- in in secular practice as well. Um, I hear so many. Even you know, this is an example. Like I see comfortable people who are you know queer. They're queer. Two uh, two women that are married, right? They've got their child. They've both got their comfortable jobs, and then all of a sudden, they're not comfortable with a trans woman woman advocating a physical protest well guess what you got your rights and now you got comfortable but there are still marginalized people out there and we need to be listening to the voice of liberation theologians and liberation theorists I mean like James Cohen said the the gospel is good news for whom right like if the gospel doesn't have a liberation quality to it then you've you're, it's not the gospel at all and so we have all these churches that say we're just preaching the word of jesus well what word because jesus was a brown-skinned man who was murdered by the government for standing up to injustice you know um and i don't know which way that takes us in the future but the church is only ever one generation away from extin- extinction and truthfully honestly Um, like liberal ideology is only one generation away from extinction. Mm -hmm. Any real institution is because if you don't continue to progress and to lead and to be change makers, then you die. That's just how it works. And so there, there is a space in America where we either need to be all and equal in terms of religious representation or none and that's just what it is. But I think that we would be best served to listen to the voice of the marginalized, uh, which statistically are, you know, um, people that have been othered by society, black women, in particular, um, people who are quote unquote religiously other, and I hate that word because it puts Christianity at the center right, right. and it puts everything else subjugated to that. But we need it, we need to listen to the voice of Judaism, listen to the voice of Islam, listen to the voice of um, Buddhism. Like if you're gonna have all religious voices or if you're gonna have religious voices, you gotta listen to them all. And that includes the black, brown You know indigenous other right um or you need to have none and i just i really can't tell i feel like we're at a precipice and i feel like one stiff wind will push us toward progress and one stiff wind will push us towards gilead to make a handmaid's tale reference
0: yeah no brother this whoo thank you so much man this has been uh this has been enlightening and i and i'm i'm with you on so many points um thanks for coming on and uh and revealing uh to us this uh just where 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 we're at in 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 terms of just uh, engagement in society here in these yeah. 2020 of twos uh, <laughs> yeah. but
1: I would really, really encourage people To take a second And just step outside of your demographic Intellectually for a moment um, Because I know even as queer people If you're a white queer person It's easy to forget that there are straight brown people That are struggling um, If you're literally anybody It's easy to forget that there are Native American people That are struggling um, And I would encourage people To think about the negative space of of what is happening in society, because that is the single best way that you can change your life on a daily basis, be it personal, be it communal, be it federal be it global. remember that you are not the center mm. and then think about how every action taken affects the person who is on the bottom of the rung because I'm, I'm I personally um, I live it where I live in only and I live near um, Salamanca New York which is the only city in the United States to my knowledge that overlaps a Native American territory. So we have a United States city, Literally, completely um, co-occupying the space of the Seneca Nation, and so for me, I'm privileged to be able to have a proximity to Native American culture and identity, um, and it's really taught me so much. And like, even with the outcry outcry over Roe versus Wade, it's really easy to not realize that Native Americans were in were in residential schools, which where the theme was. Uh, kill the Indian, save the man, they were in those schools up until the 70s and 80s. It's only wow. been 40 years, and we're already trying to overturn the legislation that ended schools um, and that ended, you know, colonizer influence on Native America. And so I think it's just really, really, really important to always have your head on a swivel and look at each policy that's happening and realizing realize that it affects someone yeah. negatively in every circumstance. This is why I'm not a politician because I can't say these things. And also I couldn't handle the ramifications of affecting someone negatively. So that's how I know it's not my job. But in bearing this in mind, we have to consider that we have to have to have to. And if it moves you to a place of despair, I'm not going to tone police you. You have your right to despair. That's part of grieving. If it moves you to a place of aggression, I'm not going to tone police you because that's what the whole story of the bible is was violent overthrow of the government you know what i mean it was the whole story it was the whole story it was you know protest like physically actively protesting the government but i just wish that people would be more aware of the fact that there is a negative space to every action and until you look at the sum total of that negative outcome you're you're being self-centered
0: right hmm mm again thank you this is deep i love it i love it i love it man whoo Um, uh, well that's perfect that's a great place to stop man i can i can yeah. yeah that perfect i love it i love it i love it man that's encouraging words
1: whoo yeah i just I, oh i'm yeah. real i just don't know what to do and so whenever people ask me it's this long-winded answer of I mean, you have to decide for yourself where you end up on the side of this, but whether you're, whether you are literally just depressed and in despair, or whether you're grabbing a multi cocktail, it's not my job to tone police you, but I really hope that the sum total of our reactions doesn't let us regress any further.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And completely off the record, if you post this, I'll be really mad at you, but like <laughs> I just keep wondering when motherfuckers are going to get assassinated. Like, do we not have any assassins left in the world?
0: <laughs> I thought, I've thought about that a lot, man. I'm just like, man, where are the snipers, man? Like, Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> like, is the sum total of my theological standpoint, like, assassinate Clarence Thomas? <laughs> if you're listening, NSA, I, I didn't mean that.
2: But,
1: uh, right. but, like, I've just come to the conclusion we, we need to stop tone policing people, and maybe at this point we see what voice wins out. And if it's the voice of, like, violent overthrow. Like so be it. I mean, the gospel is fairly, fairly communist, fairly anarchistic in its nature. If you're honest, so, right, right. We just got to do something because this ain't it. Capitalism ain't it.
0: You know. Well, and that's the truth, yeah. Because we haven't even got into the conversation about workers and how, yep. especially mega corporations like on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, Apple, places like that. Right. That we think the commercials show this wonderful thing, but in reality, man, it's like people are just looked at like oh you're you know you're expendable man it's like so what if you oh, yeah. get hurt and stuff It you know and yeah, the only
1: reason those commercials exist is for propaganda
0: exactly so I, I i feel you man I, I that's the and that's and that's what i've been thinking i'm just like man it's been a it's been a few years since in, a, in a, an assassination attempt like what's what's going on like even reagan got a little something something in the in the heart man like come on now but
1: i know right uh, He's like let go <laughs>
0: Oh now, man! I
1: don't, I'm saying this as someone also NSA who doesn't own any guns, but I'm just fucking saying, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: I'm just saying that wouldn't be outside of my moral
0: code. You're right.
1: It has been formed by Christianity. That's all I'm
0: saying. <laughs> exactly, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I'm gonna run this episode this coming week so i'm gonna do some editing okay. and uh i'll definitely take out you know any assassination attempts uh language and, <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah i'll tag you up but thank you for taking the time this was this was absolutely. this was awesome um and keep up the yeah. great work i appreciate it i absolutely will
1: i almost never get to be interviewed and so it's really fun to like get to be interviewed every right, once in a while right because when I'm when I'm podcasting, I'm actively trying to um, not overpower the conversation. Right? Same here. But like, I have some shit to say, you know, and so so far the church hasn't bit in terms of giving me a microphone. So <laughs> I got to make my own still.
0: Yeah, I don't get called to shit anymore, man. In terms in terms of religious yeah. type, you know, oh, go speak in but I don't. It's been a long time yeah. since you know, since somebody's asked, hey, will you come? It's like, no, but I don't even get called to to progressive con- uh, conferences and shit, man. So I'm just like, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, no,
1: there's, there's a whole realm of progressive Christianity that still is not comfortable. I think American mainline Christianity still is not comfortable with the idea that... Um, like nonviolence at its core sometimes means advocating violence to decrease the sum total of violence towards the world and there's like a modern christianity isn't comfortable with that but i mean it's kind of funny like you know the little meme that's like a, a, a molotov cocktail dancing down the road with yeah. like a, a tattered american flag and a blm sign yeah but it's like, like you know the caption says uh, everybody said i'd get more conservative as an adult and then it says me as an adult that's how i feel like the more seriously i take this sort of religion thing and push up on the edges of it The more like radical I looked at, and then I'm like, "Shit, motherfucker, I'm about to never be ordained."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I wouldn't got my ordination online. I was like, "Fuck it," you know what I'm saying? Because there ain't gonna be no oh, damn yeah. denomination. I did,
1: I did too, and then um the United Church of Christ is pissed at me for having that, and I'm like, "Listen, the United Church of Christ is old. It's the." third or fourth denomination that I've tried to be ordained with, and it's the last one that I'm giving any fucks about. Like, if they don't ordain me in the next, like, two years, I'm just using my online ordination and PhD. It is. Like, that's the, what yep. I'm using as my credibility.
0: There ability, it so. is. There it is. There you go. Well, Woo! I'll
1: let you go, my man. I don't want to take up all your time. No, no. This is
0: this is great. I appreciate it. It's <laughs> always good to talk with, uh, with you, and uh, again, I just appreciate your perspective and, you know, all your vignettes that you put out there and Uh, Yeah, yeah. keep up the great work.
1: I'll keep you posted on that mid-century shit, too. Right now, I'm in a period where my last semester was hell on earth. Um, I got COVID at the beginning, and my professors Ah. were not understanding whatsoever. Ah. Like One of my professors... For example, uh, you've heard me well enough to know that pretty much all I do is social justice work all the time. Yeah. Um, and I had to write a paper for my racial. Uh, I was like public theology and racial justice course. And I had to write a 10 page paper stylistically open. And it actually could have been something other than a paper. Right. It could have been anything. But I had to do a project. Um equal to a 10 page paper on social justice efforts in my community. So I wrote a 10 page paper on social justice efforts in my community, many of which I have started. And she gave me a 50% because she didn't like the style and just didn't care for it. And I was like, but I literally said, but that's not in the syllabus. Like the way you left it open, she gave me a 50% was about to tank my grade. And then I was struggling in my other courses because I had COVID brain. So I literally like almost had to drop out this semester. And I was like, motherfuckers, this is insanity. It is. it was just craziness, but I, I I'm either going to go back to school next semester and then ride out and ride right into my PhD, or I'm going to take a break and come back who knows whenever, but I really am intrigued by this mid century American, like sort of yeah. conflation of politics, theology, yeah. uh, and social consciousness. So I'll keep you posted about that because, um, uh, my 10 page, or my, I think it was 15 pages for that was barely an introduction. And I think it's something that a lot more people need to be talking about
0: so absolutely well, i would love to read it and hear more about that so please keep me yeah keep me posted that would be I'll amazing keep,
1: i'll keep you updated.